Welcome back to Raw Vegan Lens. I'm your host, Sherry Michelle. Let's go. I am not raw. Shocking, I know. So let's backtrack a little because the last podcast I made was about my ayahuasca experience and wouldn't that have been so cool for that to be the magic cure. (laughs) I appreciate you sticking with me on this journey. I know it hasn't been easy, but I think it's important to be transparent. And, And this is what I would have liked to have found when I was earlier on in this journey because everybody says being raw is so easy and it's just such a delight and magical and I don't doubt that it is that for a lot of people Um, but that has not been my total experience as you well know if you've been listening for a while So I don't regret the ayahuasca experience at all. And in fact, I was supposed to do it again um, on January 11th, but I had to cancel like the day before because I got really sick with the flu. Deserved that, <laughs> I feel, for going off off track. Um, it's interesting to me, I want to mention that I've been seeing 111 and 1111 a lot, and it took me a while to to realize this, but, and maybe I did mention it in my last podcast, I don't know, but my first ayahuasca experience um, began on 11-10 and ended the morning of 11-11, November 11th, and my second one was going to be on January 11th, 1-11. So I just thought that was kind of serendipitous and interesting, but um, I canceled, like I said, um, I didn't feel a real burning desire to do another one right away. I wanted to experience one having been raw uh, because I knew it would be different. Every every ayahuasca journey is different. Every ceremony is different. Um, and there are people that do a lot of them. There was a guy at my um, initial one that goes every month. I can't imagine doing that. But um, And some say that's not good to do, but... He just seemed happy as could be, so um, good for him. If it's working for you, great. Um, but the person that got me interested, or I would I wouldn't say got me interested in it, kind of kept nudging me to really pursue this. Um, she does plant medicines quite often, and she's done ayahuasca, I believe, like fifteen times. Um, and she's a little bit older than me. Um. Uh, I don't know why I, I don't, I guess I don't want you to think it's someone who's like young and just like binging on ayahuasca ceremonies. Um, but I think she's in her late fifties or early sixties and, um, very intelligent, sane, sound person. Um, she does a lot more plant medicine than interests me though. A lot of different kinds Um, and, and that's her journey. That's her path. I, I just don't feel the drive to do a lot of stuff like that. I, I feel the answers are within me already. Um, and not to say there aren't great answers out there. Um, and not to say that ayahuasca isn't pulling out what you have in you. I mean, I really feel that's what she's doing. Um, But I just, I want to do the work myself and, and you are doing the work when you're doing ayahuasca, but I don't want to reach for a magical cure. And this is going to sound really confusing, I'm sure. And I apologize if it does, but I said at the beginning, wouldn't that have been amazing if that would have been the magical cure? Like, and that wasn't the the main reason I was doing it. I was I was deep in grief and really stuck. But in the back of my mind, I had all those stories of alcoholics and addicts who who never touched the stuff again. So I thought maybe I mean maybe this is all about like low dopamine or you know maybe it'll do something similar for me. In fact, the owner of Rhythmia which is in South America, um, a pretty like 
nice um, ayahuasca retreat center, um, he can drink socially now. And he was a pretty severe alcoholic by his own admission. And um, he didn't touch the stuff for a long time after his um, initial ceremony. And now he's able to drink socially. So that, that unfortunately, that kind of was stuck in my head. And um, here's what happened. Uh, as you may know, I went back to work for an airline and um, I work on the ramp. So we turn planes. We unload everything when they come in, um, you know, refill the water and um, uh, check everything and empty the labs. Um, let's see, what else do we do? Well, of course, we do the upload also. Um, so uploading all the luggage and all of that. So I'm in the cargo pit a lot. I like working up in there um, in both pits, front and back. And uh, that's kind of my favorite spot. It's a hard um, job. It's hard work. Um, but I like that. I like that I have a built-in workout. I like that I have structure in my life right now. I'm very free spirit, but sometimes I need to... I feel I need to be grounded and have some structure and the flight benefits are great. All of the benefits are great, really. So my phone fell out of my pocket. I get, you get, you're just a little side note. Like it's very cold here sometimes in Chicago. And, um, so we do a lot of layering and if you're in and out of the cargo pit, you get really hot in there when you're moving a lot of luggage and stacking it and all of that. So uh, you take off some layers and I took off my coat and I had my phone in my jacket pocket instead of in my pants pocket and it fell out and two coworkers saw it up there, thought it fell out of some luggage and left it anyway, N not protocol. They should have turned it in, but this was all part of the plan. This was a good lesson for me. So my phone went to Portland on its own, took a little journey. Of all the places it could have gone, I don't know why it would go someplace that I'd already been. It had already been. Um, and I was told, you know, we'll get it back on the next flight. This happens all the time. People, uh, associates lose their IDs, which is a huge deal. Like if you lose your ID, it's a huge ordeal and it costs a lot to get it made again. And it's they're very, very strict about that. But they're like, people lose their phones, their IDs. We just send them back on the next flight. Cool. No problem. I'm feeling like you know, a doofus for even having my phone out there. I mean, sometimes we need to take pictures of spills and whatnot, but you don't really need to have your phone out there. Or if there's a cool plane, like the Star Wars plane, <laughs> I did like um, taking pictures of that. But anyway, the phone did not come back on the next flight or the one after that or the one after that. And, you know, we're really attached to our stupid phones. And I just um, started to get pretty stressed. And I kept thinking, well, surely tomorrow. And I, every day I thought that, you know, and, um, by day five, I was really, I mean, imagine, imagine not being at some kind of meditation retreat. <laughs> imagine just being out in the world, doing your job and living your life. And your phone's been missing for five days. Part of your mind goes a little wacko and part of your mind is like, no, this is good. This is good. I don't need it. But then you're like, what if I'm missing something really important? And of course, we've got social media, so I can reach some people. I let people know like that I didn't have my phone on Facebook and whatnot. But um, and I have my email. If any clients, um, animal communication clients um, were trying to reach me, they could through email and TikTok, you know, so it was really not that big of a deal, but part of you thinks it is because you're so freaking attached to our phones. Ah. And so finally on that fifth day, I had just been given so much misinformation and, um, I still think that they didn't understand. I was not flying. It was not in the cabin. I was working. Like I spoke to a number of people and, um, each day and it just got worse and worse. I could have flown up there and gotten it myself from Portland or it went on to Seattle uh, for free <laughs> many, many, many times during that week. Um, but I kept thinking, surely there it's on its way back to me. 
So I ended up paying 60 bucks to have it FedExed overnight because it was right before Christmas and I wasn't going to get it back until after the holiday. And I didn't like the idea of traveling out of state, um, without my phone. Um, even, you know, weather and, um, you know, if I broke down on the five hour drive from Chicago to Iowa, where my family is, it's just, I just didn't think that seemed like a good idea, even though part of my life, I had no phone because they didn't exist yet. And I made that trip many, many, many times. Um, we forget these things. So finally got my phone back on the sixth day. I had like, I don't know, 60 texts, but nothing, nothing life or death, you know, nothing horribly important because we have so much social media. I pretty much was able to be in contact with anybody I needed to. And you know what? <laughs> the world is not going to spin off its access so people can't reach me. <laughs> Just not that important. It's not like I'm a brain surgeon or anything. Um, so that is the truth. So like after the first day I broke raw, the first day my phone was missing. And it's not like anybody was holding a gun to my head. It's not like eating cooked food made me get my phone any faster. It definitely did not. It did not help anything. It only made the situation worse. I know this every time I do this. It's the oldest habit, I swear, to comfort and calm myself with food. And, you know, there have been times where I have, you know, been able to consistently do this with meditation or going for a walk, exercising, you know, I've tried lots of different things, but the old, you know, favorite just to like numb out and escape. That's the one that unfortunately I tend to go back to. So I wish I could say I got back on track and I have for like a day here and there but I just couldn't maintain it because that went right into the holidays. And, you know, I, I said to Gabe, uh, yesterday, I think Kevin James is my spirit animal. If you don't know Kevin James, he is a a hilarious comedian. He was on King of Queens and, um, his standup was always better though. I felt his writing was better than his show. And, um, I loved his show, but anyway, we just started watching his new standup special I can't remember what it's called, but he looks so different. His head's shaved. His beard is like really dark. Um, and he was like the fittest I had seen him. And then I saw him on Fallon like the next day, like, you know, it's, and he'd gained back 50 pounds. I'm like, oh my God, honey, that's, I feel you. <laughs> I do. Like just up and down, like 50 pounds, 40, 50 pounds all the time. And he was very self-conscious about it, but very transparent and joked about it and stuff. And I just feel for him. We're probably around the same age too. He might be a little bit older than me, but, um, and I don't know if he has ADHD, but I just want to highlight this again. If you are raw and you have ADHD, you really have your work cut out for you. I'm not making excuses here. I'm just stating facts. We already have low dopamine if we have ADHD. We have not great impulse control. Um, We are forgetful. Um, And so all of the reasons that you've journaled about and thought about and just like gone over in your head a million times, your list is so long of like 100 plus reasons of why you need to stay raw. You can't access that part of your brain. Like it, you can, um, but it really takes work in the moment. So I know that that has greatly impacted my raw journey. Am I a hopeless case? No, I'm going to keep at it because I know it's good for me. Even if I never mastered it, and managed to stay raw. The fact that I've gone raw so many times and I've done so much fasting has been good for my body. You know, someone might argue that, well, you just go back and, and, uh, you know, eat junk. So you undo all your progress, but I don't, I don't believe that's true because if I, if I had just been eating poorly all this time, I think my health would be so much worse. The fact that I've healed a lot of things but the pendulum swings back and forth. 
Um, I would take that over never having known about raw or never having learned all the things that I've learned. I get a little better at it each time. I remember my cousin, he's older than me. He's retired now. Um, him saying like, I could never do raw. I would just binge. I would just binge. And I could tell he was saying this to me to show me in a roundabout way what I was doing. Like I didn't know. And it made me angry. It made me angry because, you know, if you have an eating disorder or any kind of addiction, you freaking know it inside and out. You don't need other people to like, you know, kind of um, covertly try to shed light on something that they think you can't see. Uh, You know, I know that I binge um, and I know that it's worse because I do raw probably. Um, but you know, that goes back to my childhood, like way, way back because my mother was mentally ill and she had me dieting from the age of six. So that pattern of restricting and then binging was set so early on six. I mean, you talk about, you know, Freud's, uh, you know, the formative years, it's right in there. That's in my, my hard drive, you know, that's some old programming and it's not impossible to overcome. It's not impossible to reprogram. It just takes a lot of work and consistency. Who's great at consistency? Mm, Not people with ADHD, (laughs) but you know what? The things that we struggle with the most, that's why we're here. This is something we wanted to master in this lifetime. I truly believe this and, and help others with, um, if we can, even if it's just moral support for someone going through the same thing, you know, um, I was listening to Jess Ekstrom's, uh, uh, podcast a couple days ago and, um, she's a public speaker and she does public speaking training. And, uh, she was talking about how no one wants to go on a hike with a master hiker. If they don't hike regularly, they want to go on a hike with someone who's bit better than them. Someone they can keep up with, someone who can inspire them. Um, Not someone who, you know, makes them feel like a loser and completely inadequate and just, you know, uh, is blowing them away with how phenomenal they are and how much better they are at something. Like, that's not really what we want. Um, So, Sometimes I think when we look to the raw food rock stars um, for inspiration, we're also getting a big dose of like, well, I've been raw for 10 years or 40 years or, you know, uh, if that's not where you are, anywhere near the planet you're on, that can be frustrating also. So here I am. (laughs) floundering. (laughs) And maybe that's what you need right now. Um, But you know, it's not always that way for me. So moving right along. Um, So I had the flu worse than I've ever had it. I I just don't get the flu. I've never taken it seriously. I don't get flu shots. I don't believe in that. Um, And that was a very humbling experience. I was more sick than I was when I had COVID. Um, when I had COVID, I had started a fast, a water fast the day before. And when I started peeing like crazy the first night, something I just knew, like, even though I was sick and had fever already, like I knew if I didn't stay on the fast, all that fluid was going to build up in my body and I was going to be screwed because here I was by myself, dog sitting, you know, really far from home And the people, the friends of mine, they were leaving like the next day. They weren't going to be there. It was just going to be me and the dogs a long way from home, you know? So I just kept fasting through the whole thing. I believe I did eight days and, um, you know, COVID wasn't a picnic for me, but I think it could have been so much worse had I not just happened to start a fast the day before because I wanted to be fasting when I popped in to True North Health Center in Santa Rosa, California, to finally, like, step foot on the grounds, you know, to finally see the place um, 
in person because I'm a big fan of um, Dr. Alan Goldhammer. So he wasn't there that day, but um, talked to his um, his receptionist for quite a while. And so I just stayed on that fast through COVID. And so it wasn't as bad as it could have been. It was, it was not pleasant. It was rough. But um, this flu was worse. And I totally was not fasting and not raw and... Yeah, part of me thinks I deserved it. Like, look how sick you can get just because you're not taking care of yourself, just because you want to indulge and, you know, be lazy or whatever, you know, be impulsive and just like eat all that comfort food. I comforted myself through being so sick. Like I kept doing what allowed me to get sick, you know? When you're sick, it's really hard not to slip into that. Um, you want warm, cozy things and comfort food. And um, I just, I indulge in that. Now, I did fast for one day. Well, I had a headache and I started fasting then and the headache got so bad. The only way I could get any relief, I couldn't sleep or anything. I mean, I guess this was a migraine, but I don't know. I don't get migraines. So um, Gabe had the idea that I could lie down on the floor and put my head in this this neck hammock thing that he has because he does get migraines. And that gave me some relief. Um, but I ended up just eating. I had some, I had a vegan like frozen meal, like a purple carrot um, frozen meal that was like, it wasn't rice, but like something like that. Anyway, um, and, and then my headache went away. So it was a detox headache that I was having on top of the flu. And I think because I wasn't moving around, it wasn't going anywhere. Nothing was touching it. I even did Tylenol and that wasn't touching it. And I don't like to do anything like that. Um, any medicines. And, and then eventually, like I, I had to go back to work. And so I did medicine that I really don't believe in because it just masks the symptoms and keeps you from getting well. And that's Dayquil and NyQuil. And I did that for a few days just so I could go back to work. Um, it's not smart. I should have just let things run their course and I should have just done raw and not fasted. I just couldn't get myself to do it. And I had a lot of junk in my system from the holidays that never helps having a lot of fat and sugar in your system. And then just like, you know, English muffining yourself <laughs> after death. Um, yeah, so it was a mess. Um, and this flu went on and on and on. I still have a sore throat and it's been a month. Like I wake up with a sore throat just on one side of my throat. My doctor didn't think I should go back to work when I did, but, you know, scarcity thinking, I thought, oh, no, no, I've got, I need to go back and start making some money again. So I did. Um, but yeah, a lot of people in my department were sick. We're in a kind of a very small break room area when we're not out on the ramp. And uh, so it's, it was just easily passed around. And a lot of us are just, it's taking a long time to get through it. So I would go raw for a day and then I would fall off. And then I got in this really bad habit of like stopping at this convenience store after work and getting like the same things every day. And so that's been going on for a couple weeks. And um, I just know, like I know that I have to make myself well. I have to heal myself. And the grape cure popped up on YouTube when I was watching some other things and I'd heard of it before, but I'd never really, it's, it sounds, come on. It sounds kind of whacked, you know, like it just has a funny comedic sound to it. And, you know, I have a history in comedy and, uh, I could see us like easily doing a lot of sketch comedy on the grape cure, but it was Jillian Berry's um, interview with um, Faith Finds Fruit. 
if you look for her on Instagram under that. And I think she does, she doesn't do TikTok anymore, but she's had a few. Anyway, she's, she's young, um, which is not a terrible thing. Um, but if you, you know, have a lot more toxins in your system from being on the planet longer, um, you may have a very different experience, but she did the grape cure for, she did a grape fast for 104 days. It's a really inspiring interview. Um, she's in a really beautiful place right now, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, um, physically. She's my size as she was, and now she's not at all. And, um, that's inspiring too, but it was, um, just her whole story. And I just started to think about it and think about it. And I looked up more videos and blogs and ordered the book. Um, cause the book is by Joanna Brandt and was written in the twenties. She had stomach cancer, which is, we all know is pretty bad. And back then, um, you know, they had very few ways to treat it. They just really couldn't. And she'd done a lot of fasting and um, had helped a lot of other people fast and seemed to be able to get everyone to heal but herself. It wasn't growing, but it wasn't going away. So she was just like maintaining for years, um, which is still impressive with stomach cancer. But once she did grapes, she healed herself in six weeks. So that story is very inspiring. So if you look for it on um, Amazon, it is The Grape Cure. It is the official Eret Society edition. The woman's name is Johanna. It might be Johanna Brandt. She's, uh, she was from South Africa, from Cape Town. Um, but it's J-O-H-A-N-N-A. I have a friend who spells it the same way, and her name is Johanna. But this might be Johanna. I don't know. Anyway... It's a very uh, quick read. It's like 71 pages. And um, I just started thinking that it might just be a bridge that I need um, or that would serve me well. Because I love fasting, but you can't do that long, long term. And you can't work hard when you're fasting. Um, And I work hard. uh, Physical labor, you know, at the airport. So... Um, raw takes more planning. Um, and while I was raw for a nice solid six weeks after I did ayahuasca, um, and that was fantastic. Uh, I really didn't think I was going back ever. I really, really didn't. I promise you. But, um, it does take some planning, of course, and um, I was really into making my soups that I'd perfected, and oh, I just remembered there's something I need to correct. There's a couple things I needed to correct from my last podcast. We'll see if they come to me now. The one was about soup. I think I forgot to add that you can put in um, crushed red pepper. Um, and another was about... Oh, the ayahuasca. I can't believe I remember those that fast. Isn't that amazing? That is so fun. Give yourself some credit, Sherry. Um, The other thing was the ayahuasca. uh, I misquoted the price of what um, it normally was. It was normally $180 for um, the organization here that's in the northern suburbs of Chicago. And that's really all I can say about that because it's not legal here. So, um, I will say that the second session that I was going to do, the second ceremony that was supposed to be January, um, it was going to be significantly more because it was going to be in the shaman's home and there were only going to be just a few people there, maybe 10 of us. So it was going to be 250. That's a lot. And I felt pressure that it was, you know, oh, this is a very... Um, you know, rare uh, opportunity, and I just wasn't ready for it. So if you're feeling like pressured, um, just because something's a rare opportunity, follow your instinct, because I'm glad that I didn't go. I'm sorry that I got sick, and that's what prevented me, but I think it was all 
for a reason. It was all meant to go that way. So I was into the soups and um, raw was going really well for six weeks. That's the longest I've gone on my own with no, um, you know, I didn't belong to any online group or anything like that. Um, those tend to be overwhelming to me. Um, previously though, I mean, in all these, it's like 18 years now, the 18th year of aspiring to be raw, um, that, well, I, 20 days was my record, 20 days. I know for consecutive raw vegan with no slip ups. I know it seems like nothing in 18 years, but, um, you know, my raw journey looks like a pile of zoodles. So (laughs) you all know that. So I was able to stay raw for those six weeks, you know, um, lost my phone, then the holidays came and then I got sick. And so it's just all a bunch of excuses, really. That's what it comes down to. And I just ended up in the junk food pit by going to this convenience store every day after work. Now, this week, there was one day, because I kept like trying to do the great thing and like having false starts. Like I would get home at night and Gabe would be like, have you eaten? Do you, would you eat with me? Do you want to? And he'd want to have something like cozy and or sometimes I would just anticipate that happening. So I could like make it all day through work fine on grapes. Um, and then like if I exited um, our like the airport and stayed in the right lane, I could get on the expressway and like break that habit of going to that store. I needed to physically do that, like not even be in the left lane, which is where, you know, I would take that to that store. So I could get home and make it till he arrived. And and it's not like he, he puts a gun to my head for, you know, eating with him. I know it makes him happy when we eat together um, and eat junk together too. Like that, he loves that. <laughs> you know, we went out for Chinese um, one night and played Scrabble and it, I'm not going to lie. Like it was a really fun night. It was a date night. And we hadn't done that for a long time. And we ate too much. We didn't feel good. It is what it is. So he's away on a trip right now. And I'm by myself with our pupper. And today's a great day to do the whole day on grapes and just kick it off nicely. And then I have all day tomorrow. He doesn't, I don't pick him up from the airport until like five. I'm off tomorrow. I'm actually homesick today with this sore throat and um, this, I have something going on with my eye. My right eye, one day while I had the flu really bad, it just watered the whole day. And I don't know if that is, has anything to do with the fact that now when I get tired, this right eye like droops. And when I wake up in the morning, it's very slow to open. And I don't know if it's because it's dry. I don't really understand what's going on there. I'm pretty confident that I can heal whatever it is, but I'm still going to talk with my doctor tomorrow just to make sure I'm not missing anything. What's interesting is that the current things that I really want to heal right away that I'm very um, excited to, um, to heal they're all on my right. I just noticed this as I was making the list of things I wanted to talk to you guys about. So my right eye, having problems with that drooping. Um, I don't think it's like stroke-like or anything like that. It's not like I don't have strength on my right side. Um, but there's probably something to the fact that these are all on my right side. So my right hip, I kept, um, it kept getting really sore at work and I was like, what? I'm, I don't remember injuring it every time it would get really sore. And it's like, why my right hip? And when did this happen? Like I wouldn't catch it in the act, you know, of getting injured. Well, yesterday I figured it out. (laughs) We have chocks 
uh, around the wheels of all the equipment, um, our belt loaders that go up to the cargo pits, um, and um, and the push uh, the pushback that pushes the plane back. We have uh, chocks on those wheels. Um, we have chocks, of course, on the plane wheels. And I'm always kicking those out with my right foot or I'm pulling on a chain that connects the back chalk with the front chalk and pulling that with my right boot. That's how I'm hurting my right hip. And that is like nothing compared to like all the physical stuff that we do, which our, our load is down quite a bit. We are only doing turning two planes a day right now. And we were doing like five when the weather was good. It's the slow season till like April, mid-April. So I shouldn't be, you know, getting injured at all. But here I was, like, making my hip sore every day, my right hip. And um, that was that was bumming me out. My right arm, I have an old injury on my upper right arm. And I wish I could tell you, like, the muscle this is. I've never had it looked at. And it, I, I can't even call this an injury, really. It's the stupidest thing. You're going to laugh. But back in the day when I was a chauffeur, when I was just starting out as a chauffeur um and we were using the old credit card machines where you like um it's like the plastic box and you kind of slide it and back and forth so that it makes the imprint that's how <laughs> that's how old this is it was 2008 and it was kind of a janky little company the first one because that's how you got your foot in the door if you're a woman and you wanted to do that work you had to start with kind of a crummy little company that worked you to death so I'm handing this credit card machine over the seat behind me to the passenger um, so that he could do it himself. God, how ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> I should have done that for him, but maybe we weren't allowed. Who knows? Anyway, handing something over the back of the seat behind me, and I tore something in my upper arm. And um, yeah, way back in 2008. And so it would take a long time to heal, like years to heal. And then it would be okay for a while. And then I would somehow re-injure it. And it's on the outside of my arm. It, you know, it's not rotator cuff. It's not up in my shoulder. It's below that. But um, yeah, that's sore again. And okay, so here's the thing. If I haven't mentioned this before, but I'm pretty sure I have. Um <clears throat> This is interesting. When I was at the airport working for an airline before, one of the reasons I left, the pay wasn't good at that company at all. But the other reason was that I got tendonitis really bad in my arms from transporting bags because I was eating sugar. And this has happened throughout my life at different jobs, but I didn't make the connection until then because I had been raw for like eight months that was when I did my second triathlon and then I moved in with Gabe and everything kind of, you know, food wise became an extreme challenge, but I was fine doing that job and transporting all that luggage, lifting tons of heavy, heavy bags all day, every day that I worked, um, until I had sugar until I started going to Starbucks for these cookies and stuff and just coping with the stress of, I guess, working at such a challenging job, but also not making enough money and just, you know, it's life. So this happened in high school. I first got tendonitis when I worked at an ice cream shop um, for a couple of years. I, I got it in my elbow scooping, and that was when I was eating sugar. I was eating really clean for a while and lost um, a good chunk of weight in high school on a walking program and just eating pretty clean. Um, this happened when I worked for UPS, um, pulling, well, before that, it happened at um, massage school, um, the stress of working full time and um, going to school far, like uh, commuting like an hour to school after work. That all got to me. I was just spreading myself way too thin, doing way too many free massages for physical therapists um, because I'm a people pleaser, was much more so then. I started self-medicating with sugar to deal with the stress and I would get tendonitis. I got it in my hands. So then when I went to UPS several years later, same muscles pulling boxes off the line, sorting boxes, 
as when you're doing massage, oddly enough. And um, the stress of uh, working at that job and another job, again, spreading myself way too thin, scarcity thinking that I need to make more money, um, self-medicating with sugar brought on this tendonitis again. So by the time I got to the um, airline and got tendonitis in my arms, um, yeah, I could see what was happening. So interestingly enough, um, my friend um, has the same thing go on. When she self-medicates with sugar, she gets bronchitis. Both are inflammation, um, chronic inflammation. Um, But I just think that's very interesting. We both have struggled with sugar all our lives. Um, Interestingly enough, her family also has alcoholism. So does my family. So alcohol, sugar, tomato, tomato. Um, So you have that in your um, genetic makeup. And um, so that's another thing that, you know, you have uh, that you're working against. But not impossible to overcome it. Just uh, another challenge added to it. And of course, this is our life work because um, this is, it's got to be. That's why we're struggling with it because it's something we wanted to overcome. So here I am just recently, you know, after that nice six week stretch of raw, I started self-medicating with sugar and, oh, this is worse almost. At work, they um, started doing these big breakfasts because we had time. We had all this downtime. Well, I had been trading and charting stocks and stuff, but then I started partaking in these breakfasts and um, then also ramen became a big thing. Because when you come in from it being below zero, being outside turning plane for an hour or sometimes longer than that, if they're de-icing, you could be out there for quite a while. And it, you just, we all got into this comfort mode of like, our boss even ordered like bunches of ramen and that stuff. Oh my God. One day I looked at the sodium content and it was like 2000 milligrams in one container. And I'd had another container of a different kind of ramen already. Because my supervisor said, oh, I can't eat that stuff. I have high blood pressure. And I, I knew that it had a lot of sodium in it. But when I actually looked at the label, I was like, oh, my God. And I also had in the back of my mind the video. Maybe some of you have seen this where they repair the sink with ramen. They like puree it. They cook it, puree it. So it's like a paste or putty, and then they repair this porcelain sink and sand it down, dry it, sand it down, and with ramen. Like, how good is that for you if you can repair a porcelain sink with it? Um, Not good at all. Um, So that's in your gut causing problems. Um, So back to the things that I want to heal right now. So I've got my arm, my hip, my eye all on the right side, and my gut. Um my back, remember in Hawaii, um, I had, I thought that I'd hurt my back. Well, it turned out eventually I was able to figure out that this is, um, from my leaky gut. I hate the name of that, by the way, leaky gut. Is there anything less attractive? (laughs) So sexy, leaky gut. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I got that healed, but now I just, I was pulling a, a tow bar and I turned and I felt it in my side. And at first I just thought, oh, I like pulled an oblique or I strained an oblique muscle, but no, it's acting just like my back did. Um, and I have to just clean up my, my diet to get that to heal. It's such a weird thing, but I'm so glad that I figured it out. Cause you know, for a little while there, I went, I went to one, um, appointment with, um, a chiropractor and he was like, Oh, it's your weight. It's pulling on your back. That was all bullshit, by the way, pardon my French, but he was not a nice guy. It was very rude to me. And they ended up, um, my insurance company made me like file a report about the way he spoke to me. But, um, anyway, 
he didn't know what he was talking about. Like, not in my case. It, it It's due to the leaky gut. But you can have back pain um, and apparently side pain as well um, from leaky gut. So look it up. Google it because um, I found a lot of information to support this. And it all made perfect sense in my case, especially with how it happened when it happened. I had just broken raw both times and um, got really bloated immediately, of course. So uh, last but not least, um, you know, this is just my top few things that I really want to heal right now. Um, I want to get the diabetes under control again. So, you know, I did this right after my niece died with fasting. It took me eight days to get, sorry, I'm just hooking up my power pack there to my phone because the battery is getting low. Uh, it took me eight days to do it fasting. Um, but then, you know, grief, like that was the most devastating experience I've ever been through losing her and having to do my other niece's shower on top of the celebration of life. And, you know, I just, I couldn't maintain that. So I did it again with raw just recently, you know, um, so that nice six week stretch, I had an appointment with my doctor, a telehealth appointment over the phone. Um, my blood sugar, it took me five weeks on raw to get it down to 80. I was so, so proud of myself. So psyched. My aunt actually thought it was too low, but here's my thing with that. All the numbers that we, uh, go by as far as like, um, what our doctors say, what the charts say, what the medical Western medicine says, as far as, you know, the highs and lows for blood sugar and all kinds of other things. That's all cooked food research. That's all based on people eating the standard American diet or cooked food. And if we were all raw, those numbers would be different. So I'm fine with it being 80. I'm more than fine. I was deliriously happy. And it's, it's really tough for me to be super consistent like that. But ayahuasca gave me a reset with my dopamine <clears throat> and probably some other chemicals in my brain, maybe serotonin and in my gut, you know, most of those chemicals are in the gut. So it gave me a, a reset, a reboot and helped me accomplish those five, six weeks and now I'm, I'm back at square one again after comforting and self-medicating through the flu and, and, and the holidays and all that. So, and my phone, how silly is that? But there it is. So how long do you think it'll take with grapes? I think it's going to take about the same as fasting. I think it's going to be a lot faster than raw to get my sugar down. Even though grapes are um, a high sugar um, fruit, high glycemic index. In fact, when I did the online um, camp for raw food, we were never allowed to eat grapes because we were told they were too high in sugar. One banana a day, never allowed to eat grapes um, while we were doing the high raw program. She had different programs, but um, that was one I always wanted to do was the like raw rock star or whatever it was, like the raw real deal. Anyway, so my bets on, I'd say, I'd say two weeks, probably less than two weeks, but we'll see. It's going to be very interesting. You know, if I accomplish nothing else (laughs) this lifetime, I've experimented on myself to the nth degree and maybe, maybe that'll help someone. So We're going to do the grapes. Here's what I really, really like about it. I don't have to make food choices. I really don't. You just got to keep stocked up on grapes. I know that when you do organic grapes, it kicks it up to like a whole new level. So, and seeded. Right now, I don't have organic grapes um, and they're seedless also. 
but it was just what I wanted to do to get me started. And then I had a chance to think about it some more. It's like, I know where I can get seeded grapes. I know where I can get organic grapes, but let's just start here because the detox is intense, um, from everything I've read and watched. So I think it's better if I just start out with grapes and then, then move on to seeded and organic. I like that you don't have to make the food choices. Um, that's one of the things I really love about fasting, that it gives you a break from that. Um, again, as someone with ADHD, choices can be overwhelming. I don't like the fact that we have so many choices. Life is easier for me with fewer, I want to say like product choices. I don't like that there are a gazillion channels and that there's all of this social media um, that there's so much entertainment, that there's, um, so many brands of toothpaste and, you know, that's part of the great thing about raw is like, it takes your choices down also to something more reasonable. You know, we had three television stations when I was a kid, four, if the weather was good. Um, I just think the world is producing too many choices and it's overwhelming for people with ADHD. I don't know if it's overwhelming to other people, just speaking for myself here. So I like that um, there is some variety though. You can have the really dark grapes. Um, you can have the red globe grapes. You can do the cotton candy grapes. You can do the green grapes. The fact that they're so stringent is what um, really helps. I wish I could tell you more of the science behind it um, that um, Johanna or Johanna Brunt um, discovered, but buy her book and, and go to YouTube and look for videos, go to TikTok and look for information on the grape cure and you'll get a nice um, background um, on, you know, it's not just the, the reservatrol, it's, it's other things um, about the grapes that you know, she tried other things. She tried monoing, you know, apples and carrots and nothing works like the grapes. And it's because uh, of the different nutrients that they contain. And I just think you'd be better off reading the book than hearing this from me because I'm so new to this. And I, part of me can't even believe that I looked into it just because it sounded so goofy. But this has been around for a long time and it's helped a lot of people. And I just think it's, um, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not looking for some magical cure. It's called the great cure, but, um, I'm just looking for another tool. I wasn't looking, it just popped up. And I feel like when you're ready, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher appears, I felt like I drew it to me. I was listening, honestly, I was listening to a lot of Bashar, um, going back and forth to work on my commute and, um, that was another thing. I just kind of like, I knew he was around. I, you know, I just never really got into him until just recently I started listening to him. Um, and also doing the project three, six, nine book. If you've seen that on TikTok, it's on Amazon. Um, I don't know, just focusing more on the law of attraction again and, and using those tools. And I, I feel I attracted this because I was probably finally ready, ready. So I like that you don't have to make all the food choices. Uh, I like that you still have variety so I can have green grapes or red grapes or black grapes. Um, I like the simplicity of it. It's something that you can do longer than fasting. Um, it's easier than fasting. Um, and it's simpler than raw, like, and it is raw. It's, and it's extremely low fat raw. So you know how fast you heal when just eating 80, 10, 10 or lower, uh, fat, your body just goes into supercharged healing mode. So I'm very excited. Like it all adds up from everything else that I've learned the easy way and the hard way. Um, it fits this puzzle piece fits. And so I'm going to try it. And we'll just see what happens. And I will do updates more often than I have been. Um, I will definitely do more podcasts than I have been. 
And part of me, like I said, is glad that I have to do the work and that ayahuasca wasn't a magic cure. Um, I still got a lot out of it. I'm in a very different place with my grief than I was. That was the big thing. That was the main reason I was finally ready to do it. Um, And so it really, really helped me there. And then to get six weeks raw, (coughs) excuse me, out of it on top of that was a fantastic bonus. So I have had false starts with the grapes, like I said. Um, to come home at the end of the, a hard day at work and um, home in your comfy, cozy place with your dog and your partner and the cooked food going on. It's in the kitchen. It's, <coughs> excuse me, it's, it's the ultimate test, really. But I've passed that test with flying colors many times. Um, when I think back <clears throat> to nice long raw streaks that I had good strong progress that I made I remember one time in particular uh sorry (coughs) I need to take a drink of water (coughs) again my throat is just not at 100% and I know I sound a little froggy I apologize Gabe ordered um his favorite from his favorite deep dish pizza place (coughs) And I was raw and I was going strong and I was kind of shocked the next day. I had not even opened the box to see what he got on his pizza, which wasn't like me at all. I don't know why I would normally torture myself with opening the box, but it was just something that I did and it didn't even occur to me. I didn't care. I love that about raw. I love that it. um, it just readjusts my brain so that I don't care about cooked food, which is really hard to imagine when you're at the bottom of the pit of addiction, a food addiction, and the walls are muddy and the pit is deep and you just can't imagine pulling out of this yet again. <clears throat> Victoria Batenko used to say that, um, maybe she still does, that every time you go off it and go on again, it's harder. Well, it's my 18th year of off and on, off and on, off and on. I guess I tend to agree with her. (laughs) But you can always pull yourself out of it. You can always do it. Trust me. There was a woman in uh, in the online group that I did um, the rock group that um, she said it's like a tube of toothpaste you you can always get a little more out of it no matter what that tube looks like no matter what you've done to it you can always get a little bit more and that's kind of how I think of being in the pit of food addiction you know I always think I'm never going to be there again there's no way I'm going to let that happen again but life really throws you some curveballs and some challenges. And, um, you know, that's how you get, get stronger, get better is overcoming those challenges. So trust me, if you're in the pit of food addiction, you can get out. Even if you have fallen into that pit thousands of times, (coughs) excuse me, you can do it. We can all do it. So right now I'm enjoying some time alone. And um, time for reflection, time to journal. I've been journaling a lot. It's hard to journal when you fall down, like wipe out really bad and to be totally transparent, even with just yourself. But I'm doing it because... I feel it's an important piece of this, of this healing process. If I can't even be honest with myself on paper about the poor choices that I've made and the good choices and celebrate those, you know, (laughs) what have I got really? Especially when you have ADHD and you're very forgetful, you forget about a lot of your victories and you forget about 
how deep and dark that food addiction pit goes. So to write it out on paper helps solidify everything that's happening. And if you are struggling with it right now, my heart goes out to you. I know that we're going to be in a better place with this very, very soon. Just know it. It's already happening. You're here. You're listening to this, right? (laughs) You could have done... (laughs) (coughs) You could have done so many other things with this last hour. This is a long podcast. I truly appreciate you being here. I'm baffled by you being here. When I look at the map of the people listening around the world, I've said this the last few podcasts, but I'm really baffled (laughs) by the number of people and places. Um, I see you, Singapore. I see you, Turkey. I see you there in Colombia. (laughs) I see you, Japan. I see you, Denmark. I see you, Russia. I see you there in the UK. I see you, Belgium. I see you, Paris. I see you, Scotland. I see you, Australia, New Zealand. I see you, Cancun. I see you, Toronto. I see you there, Kansas. I see you, Hawaii. I see you there in Guatemala. I see all you guys here on the map, and I am astounded. I hope that I'm helping you in some way, even if it's just moral support. Um, I'd like to think that the transparency of my journey is helping someone and that they're not feeling like a failure just because so many people say raw is so easy. From my experience, it's not easy, but it is worth it. When you're on the other side, I always think of it as like kind of swimming to an island. When you're on raw island, You are your best self. You are living your greatest hits album. (laughs) You are so much more in touch with nature. You are so much more loving. You have a ton of energy. You're vibrating super high. You're attracting great opportunities to you and people. You're glowing people are noticing like, wow, like what's going on with them? Like you're setting a good example. You feel incredible. You sleep better. Everything tastes amazing. You're happy. You're creative. You're super creatively charged. Lots of great ideas are flowing through you. You're just your best self. I mean, think about it. This is the food we started out with. So it's like you're going back to our species-specific diet. Before there were factories, before there were ovens, before there was fire. Think about it. Roll back time and you are eating when you're raw what we were designed to eat. So of course you're your best self. It's how it was intended to be. But we're humans and we can we can create all kinds of things and and we have and not all of them are good for us. We're always going to go towards pleasure and away from pain. So the, the foods that we've created for pleasure, of course, they're just going to get better and better and more addictive and less good for you as time goes on, unless you take control of that and get in the driver's seat, take your power back. We can do this. Even if I spend the rest of my life doing it over and over and over again, falling off the wagon, getting back on, falling off, if that's the way it goes, it's still going to be a better life than if I just gave in to the standard American diet and ate the poison. Or, you know, ate some healthy stuff in there too. But that's 
just not going to come anywhere near what raw does for you. And just the empowerment of seeing yourself heal from what you do and don't put in your mouth and what you do and don't do to move physically. It's so empowering. I want that for everybody. I just want everybody to experience it. And if it's not for you, great, fine. We're all on our own path. There's no judgment. But once you experience it, I think you're going to want more of it. And who knows where that's going to lead you. I just think that living to our full potential is so worth it. I don't know what your beliefs are spiritually, but I believe that what we don't take care of and heal this lifetime, we just come back and have to do it again. I'd like to live a longer life this time and heal everything that I've been dragging with me lifetime after lifetime. And I feel this is probably a big one that I've, I've had to do over and over again. So there's that. <laughs> and if your beliefs are different, the bottom line is it's still our species specific diet and none of us were born with an oven on our back. These are all just such old things from that I, you know, heard over the years on my raw journey. And I'm sure you've heard them many times as well. But can you imagine, can you stop for a moment and just try to imagine where this journey would take you if you stayed on the raw path? I think that's so beautiful, so exciting. So I'm going to go have some grapes now. Thanks again for joining me for this. Again, you could have done so many other things with this hour and seven minutes, but you were here with me and that means so much to me. I'm just sharing my, uh, my pile of zoodles raw journey with you. <laughs> and wishing you much, much success and happiness on your journey, whether you go raw or not. Thanks for listening. <laughs>